Welcome to the Faces podcast. We're a Christian and Muslim charity working to build resilience in faith communities against child sexual exploitation and other forms of harm. We'll be talking about what faith and interfaith work means to us and how we embed an inclusive and authentic approach throughout our work. Welcome to our podcast. Uh, Melissa and I are meeting with uh, Peter Adams today. And Peter Adams uh, runs a reconciliation ministry out of St. Mary's in Luton, among many other things that Peter does. And uh, so we'd like to talk to you today, Peter, a little bit about um, your reconciliation work, um, maybe a little bit of how it began. How does someone like you get involved in mediation and reconciliation? What drives you? Uh, What got you to this point? Where did it start? Where did it all begin? Hi, Nigel. Hi, hi, Melissa. Great to be talking. Um, how did it all begin? I mean, I, I've with, worked with the church, with Christian groups, most of my career, most of my adult life. I, I mean, I, I found myself very early on using my um, background, academic background, in teaching on... Um, the history of ideas. <laughs> um, I quickly began to look at the way that Western ideas impacted other nations through colonialism and through mission, and particularly through mission. The way that, you know, we took Western worldviews, Western culture, Western ideals, and imposed them upon many nations. Mm but also the unacceptable stuff of slavery and, you know, through colonialism and, and, you know, the the wars of colonialism and so on, the the trading practices and all. Um, And I found myself being invited to teach, um, because I wasn't living there, teach week-long courses um, on the history of, colonialism and mission and the impact of the of Western ideas through that. In Africa, various African nations, in India, um, in South America, um, in the Pacific Islands, in New Zealand and Australia, um, and in Southeast Asia, and, and eventually worked in China on this. Um, teaching in Christian Bible colleges, uh, seminaries and so on. But as I did that, I found myself opening up, you know, a well of emotions in people who were hearing me and people saying, you know, actually often the last week of, last day of a week of teaching would be almost processing this and would be real reconciliation going on Mm. as people saw the heart of somebody coming from a culture that had done unacceptable stuff, but actually saw something reaching out. And uh, some amazing stories, really. And it gradually opened up to me the area of intercultural relations and how why things happen the way they happen in the world today, not just, you know, when cultures get together and and things that actually impact nations um, and the way nations conduct each other, the way diplomacy carries on. I asked a diplomat once how how much training they got in, in intercultural relations. And basically it was a big round zero. <laughs> and you can see how many cultural faux pas take place just purely when, when that sort of thing happens. 
So I've, I've gradually found myself to doing more and more teaching on intercultural relations, but all, also particularly intercultural conflict. Mm. Um, and so I began to train in, in, in mediation and conflict mediation. And um, it was about, I suppose by about 2000, I, I realised that, I mean, this was a very clear sense of vocation calling from God to be a to be a peacemaker so i began to train in 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 mediation um and but it was a long preparation time i i i, I remember going out on a walk when everything was coming together walk out in the mountains and I felt the voice, I mean, you know, it's one of those few instances when I really sensed I felt God speaking to me very directly. So you want to be a peacemaker? And I said, yes. And it was almost like I had a mirror held up to me. And the first thing about being a peacemaker was self-awareness because I wasn't naturally a peaceable person. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Melissa, you're smiling. <laughs> um, yeah, and I had to deal with a lot of self. And I found myself going through conflict with friends, with colleagues. It was I wasn't seeking conflict, but actually it was like I had to get in touch with conflict. And so, the thing so, is me that stirred conflict. So are you saying uh, until you have peace yourself, you haven't got it to bring to others? Certainly, until you've like, till you've begun to deal, I don't think we're ever totally there. Mm -hmm. But for me, that journey was very much started with a real self awareness mm -hmm. and how I st stirred conflict in others and what I did to others. And that it was a particularly focused piece for about three or four years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then wow. it, it's always continued. And actually, you know, you can say something to me, Melissa can say something, and it will often be the people who are those who are not in positions of power who will say something and it actually, it just holds up a, a mirror and, you know. So mm. I actually found myself with my colleagues, Africans, Indians, who I badly hurt, who I was working with at the time, and I badly hurt them. Mm. Just, and I had to, you know, go through a process of learning and learning and learning. And that's been a part of my journey. And so actually by that, I, I sense that we need to come live and work in a multicultural community. Um, and we started worshipping at St. Mary's in Luton, where, I, where we still worship now. We came there because the, I'd met the vicar at the time, and he said, come and work with us. We always need somebody working in conflict re resolution and, you know, group intercultural work in Luton. Come and work with us. He can't. I said I can't pay you, but I can find money. I can look for funding. Um, so we started worshiping at St Mary's in two thousand three, and moved to Luton in two thousand seven. And that's been, you know, that was how it happened. The first year or two, um, 
I was just sort of, you know, got in touch with, was got to know the Council of Faiths and the interfaith, interfaith uh, community and got to know church leaders around the town, looking for where I was, where the place for me. And then a fateful day in early March 2009 saw a riot breakout where a group of young men took exception, angry against some extremists from the Muslim community who were protesting against a group of soldiers who had just come back from Iraq. It all went AWOL. And I found myself asking questions, talking to people, asking the right questions that helped people unpack that. And I haven't looked back. (laughs) (laughs) That group incidentally became the English Defence League, the far right group. Um, And so very quickly I found myself getting to know and understand what that was all about and why it was happening or trying to understand why it was happening and so on. And basically I've dug my way into the life of Luton, you know, really very, from that very key point. So that's a little bit of a story of how, how we got here mm-hmm. and the rest has just been unpacked and unfolded ever since. I think one thing you said that's really really powerful is that the idea of purpose you know that people doing this kind of work whether it's peace reconciliation conflict resolution mediation intercultural work like all of all of that arena that you do so well together you know and all of those different moving parts it really takes people who are that dedicated that know that actually this is somewhat of a calling somewhat of actually what you have to stick with and there is no kind of opt-out um you know option there is no there is no option to kind of just leave it um and i think like you said that just as when you came there was place for you because of the kind of the landscape and because there was no one else doing that work i think similarly you know you you couldn't just stop doing it now because it would leave such a big gap in um in you know meeting a that need um here in newton and in sort of surrounding areas as we were talking about before we started recording um but I didn't know I didn't know that story, so I'm actually really <laughs> glad that I've I've heard that story, Peter. I didn't know um, kind of how it started, so thank you for sharing. That, that's thank you, Melissa. I, I mean, I think what you've described there is perhaps it, it describes how I feel about what I do. I you know. People say, when are you going to retire? And my answer is, I can't. I couldn't. You can't retire from this sort of thing. It's about relationships, primarily. <laughs> and uh, I can't retire. You can't retire from relationships. You can't retire from your place in the community. Yes, I could move. But actually, that would be cutting myself off from everything that's dear. And, you know, because actually, that sense of purpose, that vocation, that calling, Everything, all of that, and the relationships that it's opened up, are my life. You know, where can, where can you look? Where, where else could I go? Um, this is what it's about for me. I feel I was made for it, and I I really can. If I, you know, there are times. I mean, we were talked before we this began, and we might get there again. We were talking about what we were doing last. Nigel and I were doing last night. 
you know, I get back from a time like that, and it can be stressful. But actually, I have a sense I was made for this. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, yeah, I, I don't like it when there's conflict. But when I'm actively in, and I don't go looking for it, and then I know if I know there's conflict, I don't want to go there. But actually, when I'm in a place where it is, I it's just like I was made for this situation. And and I can't say it any other way than that. So but what you just said there, you know, were just so beautifully summed it up. Thank you. I, I think I'm gonna clip those words and uh, <laughs> I probably have to play them back to Anne because Melissa has just described to me why I can't retire from this dear. <laughs> She'll be around to see you. That's all right. I'm sure we can we can come to an understanding. Yeah. <laughs> but I think the other thing you say there is that self awareness and the what that means. You know, one of the things that obviously this is all about is a white educated man of a certain age has power, and actually for me that's that journey of the mirror was about my relationship, you know, with the mirror standing in front of me for several years, almost like it never moved was a journey about realizing my power as a man, as an educated man, as a white man in many different situations and what that power meant. You know, and that's, that's deeply painful when you realize what it does and how it gets in the way of a relationship. Mm. And so I, I will often say, you know, and you, you've heard me banging on about this in the faces context. This so much of what we're doing is all about the relationships. And what makes faces unique is that the key people who've made faces, you know, who started it, are people I've worked with closely over... 10, 12, 13, 14 years now, you know, and actually been through really rough times together, but they are very, very good friends. And it's those relationships that that have come through that diff those difficult times that, you know, you just don't leave behind. And they, they enter everything you do. And I think Faces is emerged out of that, out of that, for me, it's emerged out of that those close relationships yeah. that allow us to talk about and do lots of things. You know, I think I think the idea of the mirror and and of relationships, I suppose, is just really key to this as well. Because even with groups that you're trying to create peace between or find reconciliation between, both of those are really important. It needs to be about relationship, not ideas, not not even rights and wrongs. I suppose for a lot of the time, it needs to just be about understanding relationship and perspectives and difference and kind of accepting to certain levels and that that's okay to have difference um and that the mirror you know i suppose from each side you know whether we're talking about um the far right or those that they're protesting against or whoever it is both sides need to have that mirror to see actually 
what is it that, that I'm really saying? How can what I'm saying be perceived as well? And kind of just understanding the full circle of, of all of those implications. Um, so it's all really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I sort of um, am lis- listening to this and, and thinking that long process of preparation earthed you in the community, but also did things in you as a person which had a long build-up to what appeared on the surface. And, and I think in, in some ways that, that deeper work, I'm so glad it's not like a bookish schoolboy, I learned this little lesson and I'm going to be a peacekeeper. It's got to come from a gravitas. Yeah. It's got to come from a weight. And so I just think, um, you know, knowing that you've had your eye on other parts of the world, there's peacekeepers needed in loads of communities around. And I know you want to inspire them. Is there advice you would give to people looking to be peacekeepers in their own communities? I know you've been over to Ireland, uh, into some of the settings there, uh, between Protestant and Catholic or Unionist and Nationalist is probably more accurate, and some of those settings. Um, just wondered if there's something you can share that inspire uh, further peacekeeping in different areas, because if it has to be rooted there's some skills that can be transferred, but there's something of being in the community that's so important. Yeah, it, I mean, being, I won't, before we lose those words, being in the community, you know, it, it, those were the words Nick Bell, who was the vicar at St Mary's, said to me. So if you're going to come and work in Luton, you need to live in Luton. Can't live in Harpenden Hitchin. <laughs> You've got to live in Luton. Um, you know, if you're going to get into the heart of the community here. And that was that was really important. So it's that being in, I mean, the Christian idea of incarnation, being born into something, taking on the flesh of something, living it, being in the midst of it. Um, that's really important. Um, relationships, yeah. I think... Very simple. I I I have I have what I call a toolkit. I mean, the obvious pieces in that are training in mediation. I mean, you know, you learn skills. Sort of two day standard mediation training course, about 14, 15 hours of material is just what's generally offered in you know how to do mediation between two neighbours, you know, who are grumbling and moaning about the height of the the hedge between the two houses, you know, or who are dealing with parking issues or noise or, you know, antisocial behaviour, those sort of things. That's the standard course that people do to deal with conflict. And I've done all of that. Um, then there's, you know, there's a mediation in Northern Ireland. You talked about the Northern Ireland situation. Mediation in Northern Ireland was formed out of a, desire to work out how to bring communities together in you know as a result of the the good friday agreement back in 1998 and and all of that journey that process and they took basic principles and a key uh trainer in peacemaking john paul lederach who's an american guy from a peace church tradition a number of churches that were very formed in that in the ideas of early Mennonite ideas and so on. I won't go into all that, but um Lederach is somebody who really is the 
the guru of peacemaking. And Levrag helped them and keeping them in the community there, developed ideas of how to bring communities together around faith issues of conflict, around conflict in the culture. And they do training on what they call civic mediation, which is bringing groups together and is really complex. Because, you know, you you do a mediation like that and it's headbanging stuff because you, you've got all you've got all the individuals that make up a group versus all the other individuals that make up another group. And often another, you've actually got a threefold conflict as well. It's really complex stuff. So those are all tools, that's skills that, that you can learn. But actually within that, the key things it comes down to are being prepared to look at yourself, that's the mirror, being prepared to listen to others, um, not being quick to ascribe blame, but listening and seeking to understand. You know, a number of key, really, toolkit pieces that, that are about attitude and, and how you relate to somebody. And actually, I find those, I mean, for myself as a Christian, I find them in the teaching of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, don't point the finger. Um, that's in there. Um, you know, forgive, apologize. You know, things like that. Pray, for, pray for the for for those who persecute you. Actually, there's something about prayer in terms of reaching out to somebody. You know, when you pray before God. You have to have a clean heart. And that actually means that you see the person as God sees them <laughs> rather than as I see them with all my imperfections and all my attitudes. So things like that are just very simple pieces in, as I say, in the Sermon on the Mount. So if I taught her, you know, my simple uh, teaching series on 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 becoming a peacemaker it focuses on the teaching of jesus in the sermon on the mount um so those are some key attitudes but then you learn skills and, and so on that build upon those and it's interesting how much those those skills i mean this obviously partly comes from the fact that john paul lederach who has often developed a lot of this stuff is a christian um and he's finding his inspiration in 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 scripture um but actually you find they are human values as well they're about the relational values that are that just have so much wisdom in them that they don't they don't stop in a christian life they they extend to everybody you know so that those are some of the things i would respond to you with Thanks, Peter. Um, and <clears throat> I think FACES is one of the fruits of uh, some of your efforts and others' efforts all coming together and and tackling difficult issues. And I think that's fantastic to be working with FACES and be part of all of that. Um, but it, it's uh, there's years behind that that have led to that point. Yeah. And and I think that's that's very exciting Uh yeah, and the future of things is exciting. And for me, that. that sort of began. I mean, you know, I began working with Sujal, with Sufian back in 2010. Some of their colleagues more widely in 2009. Um, 
you know, I, I look back at pictures of Sujal and Sufian and myself after the very big English Defence League demo in, in, in 2011. You know, there's a picture of us in the community centre in Bury Park after everything's done and dusted, sort of looking totally weary, but actually knowing very well that that somehow we've cracked this, you know. <laughs> um, and, and, and then, you know, Rahana came into the picture in 2015 when I met her as we, in the lead up to a Britain First event. Mm. Um, and so the, these people who are the heart of faces have been being people we've walked the journey with for years. Yeah. But the lovely thing is also that, you know, you develop that place where you can have that re really difficult conversations because the piece of Luton has been built upon difficult conversations and actually facing up to the realities rather than just, you know, the, 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 the the response so often of politicians, and we find it, you know, from the town hall and so on, is, oh, yeah, this is all, you know, this is all little stuff. It'll go away, you know, just move on. But actually, our response was, no, we need to have those difficult conversations. And actually, this is not about papering over problems, moving on to the next thing, because they'll always spring back on you. And that's the, that's the political um, temptation, I think. But we we got to get so when you know when one of the things we learned also was that we listened needed to listen to the voices of of those on the far right and to listen to the voices of those who were very radical in the Muslim community. What are the issues here? How can we speak to those? It's not to not to condone not to affirm the things that they do that are wrong, dead wrong, but actually what are the things that, that are driving them? And one of the things that the, the far right were talking about consistently, and I'm not going to bang on about it now, but actually they were talking about safeguarding. They were talking about abuse of women. Um, and so we had to be able to respond to that. And so that began lots of conversations around around narrative of abuse of women um and that's how faces emerged you know because it was just one of those things we did that had had to be looked at but it's gone so much farther beyond that and that's thrilling you know so um you referred to the sermon on the mount and i happen to know that in the sermon on the mount it says blessed are the peacekeepers yeah. And 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 so I just wonder um, if you could just, as a final question, really, uh, just tell us how have you been blessed as a peacekeeper? What has enriched your life? How would you say that is true for you? I think really the relationships. You know, dear friends, <laughs> um, who you've walked a long way with through very difficult situations. Um. And actually, you trust you trust your life, you know. Mm. Sufi and, and I standing before a baying crowd in Berry Park on the day that there's thousands of, of EDL people in the town centre, and you've got fifteen hundred young young Muslim men, sort of really angry, being told lies that the EDL are coming to get them, and they weren't. They were on their buses already going home. <laughs> but you know. And the police, because they were surging forward, the police giving us 
you know, two minutes to quieten them. <laughs> and Sufin got up, you know, you, 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 and then I was about to get up, but actually by that time it was all done. Then the, the rumor, the rumor had spread that was free food available. And so the, the crowd dispersed. <laughs> but when you stand, you know, when I stand with Sufian, you look back to times like that. You look time back to times in the in the gold command reference group, you know, when actually you, the two of us were challenging the police about their things. You look to things you've done together, and actually there's so much wealth to those relationships. And you trust those people with your life. And so, actually, that's the ble- that's the key blessing, I would say. And actually, loving Luton. I mean, you know, <laughs> um, I wouldn't live anywhere else. You know, I was born a country boy, but now I live in one of the most multicultural cities in Britain. You know, I wouldn't live anywhere else. I couldn't do anything else. That's the blessing of God for me, I think. Well, thank you for sharing so much of your heart and 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 so much of yourself with us, Peter. It's been a privilege to hear it, mm-hmm. and and um, so thank thank you from us both, and and we look forward to many happy times ahead as well. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Peter. Thanks, Melissa. <laughs>